first of all, welcome. Welcome to Unsolicited Perspectives. I am your host, Bruce Anthony. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy beef. We're going to be talking about missing children. We're also going to be talking about the media not giving us all our information when it comes to crime. And also, for the first time ever, I'm going to be introducing the Love Doctor segment. Love Doctor segment is going to be a segment where I answer questions about relationships and love and things of that nature. On today's episode, I'm going to have a friend of mine come on and tell us about her current situationship. And she's going to ask my advice on helping her out. But first things first. All right. The good news is the country avoided a shutdown. The even better news is for me personally, because one, it creates content and two, I just like seeing the internal uh, conflict that comes in these political parties because I'm not going to go into specifics, but there should be more than just two political parties. They're, They're both corrupt. One's more corrupt than the other, but they're both corrupt. But Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy are going at each other. So Matt Gates is agitated that Kevin McCarthy basically avoided the shutdown. And now he's looking to bring up a a vote to kick Kevin McCarthy out of his speakership. In return, the House Republicans are preparing a motion to expel Matt Gates. This is all because he is nonstop going at Kevin McCarthy trying to get him out. Now, I've said this once before, twice before, three times before. I've repeated it over and over again. Kevin McCarthy is a weak leader. He was weak because he wanted to get the speakership so badly that he gave up a lot, too many concessions to a small faction of the Republican Party that gave them power and control. And one of the things that he did was that only one person, only one person out of the entire GOP caucus, only one person needed to bring up a vote to be able to oust him from his office, which meant that at any time he pissed off somebody, they could call for him to be voted out of his speakership. And Matt Gates is taking him up on the offer. Now, I am no fan of Matt Gates at all whatsoever. Let's not forget the fact that this man may be a, a, a sexual um, predator isn't the right word. Uh, he he has he might have some sexual misconduct in his past that it all kind of just went sweeped uh, swept under the rug and there's questions in that regard and honestly I just feel like he's a liar and a cheat and he is that stereotypical politician that swimy and slimy and greaseball-y like you can't trust anything that he says this is who I believe him to be however he has legitimate beef with Kevin McCarthy, because Gates is talking about how McCarthy is making side deals with President Biden, not bringing up uh, legislation for votes in the House that is part of their rules. So essentially, he's accusing Kevin McCarthy of breaking the rules that the Republican GOP created when McCarthy took speakership. And um, well, he is. Kevin McCarthy is doing that. One of the main things was uh Kevin McCarthy was not supposed to rely on Democratic votes to pass legislation. And he did that in order to avert this government shutdown. Now, what is that basically saying? That's basically saying don't work with the opposing side. Don't govern properly. 
don't rely on Democratic votes. If we want to get something passed, since we had the House majority by a very slim margin, then we'll get something passed. Okay. All right. Uh, that's just, that's effectively saying we don't want the government to work. Government is about compromise. Deal making is about compromise. It's about two sides coming together and leaving the negotiating table with, I didn't get all I wanted, but I got a lot of what I wanted and I feel good about this deal. That's that's the art of deal making, right? It, if you're going to have continuous negotiations with a particular party, in other words, you're doing multiple deals with a particular party. Let's just say for business, for instance, you're doing multiple deals with a particular party. The last thing you want to do in business ethics, whatever you call it, when negotiating the deal that you're going to have to negotiate with these people again somewhere down the road is negotiate so fiercely, so harshly that you win by stripping them of everything. They're never going to want to deal with you in good faith again. They're going to want to come back at you by stripping you of everything the next time that you guys make a deal. That's not the way you get things done. You get things done by saying, all right, I want 10, you want six. Eight it is. Why? Let's meet in the middle. Meeting in the middle is always, meeting in the middle is not compromising your beliefs. It's not. It's saying, look, I want to get all of this done. Can't get all of this done right now. Let me get this, let me get what I can get done now and move forward in the future to get more stuff done. That's how politics is supposed to work. The greatest president, I believe, Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, knew that he couldn't get the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act passed at the same time. He knew he couldn't do it. He had to piecemeal it. So he got the Civil Rights Act passed first and then the Voting Rights Act passed a couple of years later because he knew he couldn't get both of them at the same time. Sometimes you have to pick your battles in order to win the war. Um and to to go in to initially start the House sessions when Speaker McCarthy got the speakership to go in and as a rule say, we're not going to rely on Democratic uh, votes to pass legislation. <laughs> That's just automatically dealing in bad faith. But we knew this going into it. And I don't know that it's solely a Republican thing. Um I'm sure there are Democrats that are just like, well, we had the majority. We'll just do and pass whatever we want to do. And that's not because the majority passes in the House all the time. And you're going to be working with these people all the time. You're going to have disagreements, but you should be able to work together. So the initial rules that the GOP put forth that Kevin McCarthy agreed to seem stupid in principle. That's just me. They seem stupid in principle. But Matt Gates has a point. Kevin McCarthy is breaking the very rules that he said that he agreed upon. So, I mean, and, and, and another deal that he made is that one person, one person can bring up a, a vote to remove him for office. Now, it kind of seems like the Republicans are trying to get back at Matt Gates because he's under investigation in the House Ethics Committee and they're waiting to get back anything so they can expel him. And that's going to he almost wants that to happen for his political career. He'll get reelected just like the young men in Tennessee who were expelled. Their voting districts are going to vote them back in. His voting district will absolutely vote him back in. He'll be a representative again in the next go around. Right. But what does this prove by making him a martyr? 
It doesn't. It doesn't do anything. It's just dirty pool. But I love it personally. It's messy as hell and I love it. I want everybody to continue on to be messy as hell in this government. Hey, you know what? Let the whole thing shut down. Not actually a legitimate shutdown, but let the whole thing burn. Why not? It's 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 slowly but surely no longer working. And I don't know that it ever really worked well enough for the American people anyway. The government is there to supposed to help us, support us. And doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. Another thing that people are getting upset about it, and I'm Mm, I, I go back and forth about how I feel about this is, you know, Matt Gates is really agitated that there might be a side deal between Kevin McCarthy and President Biden to keep pushing uh, aid to Ukraine. I believe that aid to Ukraine needs to be pushed. Uh, I believe that uh, Putin is a dangerous, dangerous man that we need to defeat at all costs. I also believe Six billion and plus is a lot of money to be given given to another foreign country when we have starving babies here on our own. Uh, there has to be a happy medium, right? Like I said, there's a compromise, right? You can't, in one instance, be trying to cut Head Start, be trying to cut food vouchers, be trying to cut WIC here for the people that are struggling in the United States, but then giving seven, six, excuse me, six billion. That's a billion with a B, $6 billion in aid to a country that may or may not win a war. We want them to win a war. They've lasted a hell of a lot longer than we thought that they would have, but we don't know that they're going to win the war. And there are starving babies here in this country. But that leads me to a bigger issue, just the state of children in this country. Now, some of you guys may have known it's a huge Amber Alert, and I'm going to butcher so many things in this next uh, segment. I am. I'm going to butcher the name of this young child. I'm going to butcher uh, the park where where she was uh, abducted. I'm going to butcher. Uh, those are the only two things I'm going to butcher, but I guarantee you I'm going to butcher them. So Charlotte Cena, that's what I'm going to say. Charlotte Cena is a nine-year-old girl who disappeared during a cramp camping trip at Merlot, Merlot not Merlot, uh, uh, Lake State Park in New York. Charlotte was last seen wearing an orange tie-dye Pokemon shirt, dark blue pants, black Crocs, and a gray bike helmet around 6.15 p.m. on Saturday. Her bike was found about 30 minutes later, and the New York State believe, New York State police believe that she is in imminent danger or serious harm or death. Um, they, they're searching with park rangers, special ops people, police, you know, volunteers. They got dogs, drones, boat, underwater teams, um, all that stuff. And this is very sad because it's another child abduction. Uh, how did it hit close to home to me? Well, I have a friend who actually knows the family and who has met this little girl who grew up with the family because this person is from upstate New York where this family is from. And, you know, she, she was telling me about it and I was like, okay, yeah, I read about that. Or I, I saw the little blurb. She was like, I, I know that girl. And for me, it hit differently than most abductions. You see abductions all the time. There are Amber alerts all the time. We look at them, we glance at them. We kind of pay attention to them. If we could notice anything, we'll be on a lookout. But most of the time we're not vigilant and trying to find these children. 
But this hit closer to home to me because it's not six degrees of separation, but almost right. Like I know a person who knew this little girl who knows the family and who knows what they're going through. And it's just like, man, I don't have kids. Maybe one day I will. As of right now, I do not. But I do know if I did have kids, the greatest fear is what those parents are going through right now. Um, and, and this isn't the only situation. Um, in Cleveland, Ohio, it is said there are reports, multiple reports out there that there's over 1,000 minors that have been reported missing in the Cleveland area in 2023 alone. We just started October, nine months, 1,000, including nearly 50 in September, 50 kids in September. Uh, the Cleveland police are investigating over 130 missing person cases with more than 45 children missing in Northeast Ohio in the current month. That was last month, which was September. Uh the police chief, Wayne Drummond, did confirm there's been a 20% increase in the number of missing juveniles this year, but saying that the stats and the numbers are often miscued because of uh, poor reporting um, by the media, poor stat information being put in by the police departments. They're saying it's not quite that high, but that there is an increase in missing persons. Uh, underage. Some of those are, are runaways. Some of them aren't abductions, but some of them are abductions. And it's just like, like I said, I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends who have kids. And I, and I consider all my friends that have kids, my little nieces and nephews. And I, if I lost them, I would go stir crazy. And a lot of that, a lot of these people aren't my blood, but they're family. And like I said, it's, uh, you know, I pray for the Cena family. I pray for all those people that have got miss or are missing their children in Ohio and all over the country. You know, there was this movie that came out and for the life of me right now, it slips my mind, but it was highly sensationalized, um, idea of child trafficking and, child trafficking has, this is not a new thing, right? This is not a new thing. I'm not belittling it at all, but this is not a new thing. There's been child trafficking since we all were kids and I'm grown. I'm a grown ass man. I've been on this earth for 43 years. So at least for 43 years, this has been a major concern of kids being abducted. I had an old youth basketball coach, uh, legitimately, who was convicted and sent to prison for child molestation. And this was a, a youth basketball coach. He coached my uh, sixth grade AAU team. And he also coached Little League Baseball where he molested uh, one of the boys and, and was sent to prison. So these things have been happening. Here's my problem with certain groups of people that talk about this. They say it's a big deal. They get all up in arms about it. And I'm talking about conservatives. They say it's a big deal to get all up in arms about it. They preach and preach and preach about how they want to protect the children, how they want to protect the children uh, in the womb and how they want to protect the children from sex trafficking. And I'm for all of that stuff. Right. Well, I'm pro-choice uh, by by nature, uh, because I don't feel it's my right to choose 
somebody else's what somebody else should do with their life. That's 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 not I don't want that type of power. I don't want that type of power to have to where, you know, my beliefs are placed on other people and they are forced to uphold my beliefs. That just I just don't that's not the person that I am. In my personal life and my pro choice of pro pro life, I I could go either way given the right circumstance, right? Obviously it's it's never a, a easy choice. Um but the idea that certain conservatives would be up in arms about sex trafficking. And like I said, I wish I knew what that movie was. And I could probably look it up right now as I'm talking about this. Um, that would be agitated and be up in arms about sex trafficking. And I've legitimately had some conservatives say, you always bring up slavery, but there's child slavery and sex slavery right now. I'm like, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't don't compare traumas. Don't belittle what my people went through just because you're trying to make a point. Right. There is an there is an an open agenda to rewrite history and make it seem like either slavery didn't exist or it wasn't that bad. This is open and honest rewriting. And I would say to those conservatives who care so much about their children, because there are people out there in the world like myself, who legitimately care about children. Why don't you do certain things like fix the gun laws? More kids are dying from school shooting than anything else. They don't want to hear that, though. They don't want to hear that, though. Why don't we address some some issues that are in religion and the church? A lot of sexual misconduct with children is done in the church. It's done. Some of it is done in the schools. There are police officers that have been arrested for child pornography on on their laptop. The point is not to minimize. I, I know I'm going all over the place. There's so many people listening like, Bruce, what's your damn point? The point is, don't be a hypocrite, right? All of it is bad. All of it is bad. Children being abducted is bad. And every situation should be highlighted put on CNN, have have um, news alerts and Amber alerts for every single missing child, every single one. If we're really about protecting the kids, that's what we should be doing. Don't try and compare tragedies and minimize something else because you have a hidden agenda. And too often, people are doing that. Too often, people are hypocrites. Too often, people are minimizing other people's traumas. Right now, today, I learned a very valuable lesson. All of these child abductions should be given this type of attention. Everybody should be out there trying to find any missing child. I can admit there was some apathy that's come over me with the Amber Alerts because it's always like so far away. It's not happening to me. It's not something that I'm personally dealing with. Oh, I've got I got work I got to do. I got to finish these reports. I got to do this, do that. I'm I uh, can't focus on this right now. I I'm totally calling myself out. 
Because had my friend not said, I know this little girl, and I would have treated it like every other abduction. I hope they find her. I pray for the family. Yeah, but that would have been it. And I still don't know what actually my purpose will be in this, except maybe it was an awakening to stop being numb to the things that are happening in the children. Stand up, yell, get attention, and say to people, hey, this is freaking important. The most precious thing that we have in this world are children. We should try to protect them at all costs. Uh, let me rephrase that. Protect their safety in reasonable cost. <laughs> okay. You know, too many people are worried about, um, you know, books being read to their children and not more about who are you sending your children with when they go to events. Right. When they go do Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or they go to the, the, the they go to Bible study or they go to play baseball or basketball. You know, there should be more due diligence in things that are actually a legitimate problem and that can cause harm to children than these faux things that we believe will cause harm to children. This is a sad day. Because a little girl is missing. She has been missing for two days now. At least 40 some odd minors were missing in the Cleveland area last month. What's going on? What's happening? Time for us to open up our eyes, start asking real questions, and get active. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest. 
But it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. This one is going to be, this segment is going to be short, uh, and it's going, to, it's going to be reading, reading with Bruce. Now, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine told me about an abduction in my neck of the woods in Alexandria, Virginia. There's this area that's called Old Town Alexandria. It's kind of those historic districts and the, the city council in Alexandria City, which is where I live. Uh, is is very much they have certain rules. You can't do too much construction in this area because they want to maintain the look of the historic district. Um, so one of my friends told me there was a story a couple of weeks back about a young woman walking down a busy street and was attacked and almost abducted in broad daylight. And on that day, I said, well, I haven't heard anything about the story. This is our neck of the woods. I haven't heard anything about it. And I Google searched it and I was like, yo, I'm really not seeing anything about this story. I'm sorry. You got it from next door. Yeah. I don't be trusting the next door app. So I said, I don't think it's a real story. And I came on this podcast and I talked about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to be careful what you're getting from social media or these apps like I don't know if next door would be considered social media but these social gathering type apps you got to be careful with the information that you're given but you got to you got to check it make sure that it is valid and because I couldn't find anything on the internet about it at all I attributed to it being a you know nonsense post that somebody put up there that didn't know what they were talking about however a friend of mine was listening to the podcast and sent me a text, said, no, it was a true story. Here's the article about it. So I'm going to do what I love to do, reading, <laughs> reading for the class. So the title of the article is called Alexandria Police Sharing Few Details on an Alleged Attempt, Abduction and Robbery of a Woman in Old Town. Uh, now, this is very, very important to note because I'm going to tell you when this article was posted and not in the Washington Post, not in any of the major news organizations, just in the Alexandria newspaper, right? A local, local newspaper. And this article was published September 15th. All right. Just remember when this article was published, it's become real important when I read the first paragraph. The Alexandria Police Department is investigating an alleged attempted robbery and abduction in Old Town on Friday, September 1st. September 15th is when this article was written. 
The attempted abduction and robbery started September, happened September 1st. At around 11 p.m., a 30-year-old woman flagged down an APD officer, that's Alexandria Police Department, officer just outside the Firehook Bakery at 430 South Washington Street to report she was a victim of an attempted abduction and assault, according to the police scanner. The victim was treated at the scene for an injury to her mouth, according to the police scanner. On Thursday night, nearly two weeks after the incident, APD confirmed that the incident occurred and that we are aware we are aware of the recent social media post about the incident. The social media post about the incident was what I didn't believe happened on the next door app. But guess what? It really did happen. Uh, the APD provided no details on the incident and did not respond to questions sent by ALX now, Alexandria now on Wednesday. Now, let me read to you guys what was the post on the Nextdoor app. On September 1st, 2023, Friday of Labor Day weekend, a woman was walking across Wilk Street and South Washington Street toward Firehook Bakery, and a man following her grabbed her from behind and violently threw her to the ground, then put her in a chokehold and dragged her behind the bakery into the alley. A man in a car at a light turned down Wilk Street and confronted the assailant. And the woman ran to his car until police arrived. This was reported by police as a robbery and a kidnap abduction. The gas station across the intersection got it on camera. The assailant has not been arrested. Okay, so my friend sent me that post or showed me the post. It was in person. She showed me the post and I was just like, no, I mean, if this happened, we would know about it. This is a major area and what is supposed to be a safe neighborhood. No, 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 no. We would absolutely know about this. Hmm. But the APD, two weeks later, still not giving out information. So I'm going to continue on reading the article. The victim reported that the suspect of the Middle Eastern man in his 20s with a dark beard, tan backpack, baggy hoodie, and dark pants, according to the police scanner. The manager of an Exxon station uh, said he has a video of the incident and is willing to provide it to the police, although they haven't reached out to him and he hasn't made an effort to send it to them. The manager refused to show the video to the newspaper. Uh, I have the he's quoted as saying, I had the video when they won it. The manager said, you see the man following her. And at the end of the fire hook, he grabbed her. She was able to break away. She runs away, turns around and looks like sh she's asking him a question. And then he grabs her again, pulls her into the parking lot. Uh, the mayor don't have no information. Yeah. There's a mayor in this little small city. The mayor don't have this inf no information. Um, and he's waiting on the crime reports and, um, the crime reports don't match what witnesses are saying happened. Now, when I got this information from my friend uh, that sent me the newspaper article, I said, oh, they were covering up crime in the area because this area is supposed to be these safe neighborhoods that nothing ever happens. You know, people can leave the door unlocked and walk around with the dogs late at night. And don't worry about it. It's a highly populated area. It's nothing but pristine living. No, the hell it isn't. No, the hell it isn't. There are attempted abductions happening. It wasn't broad daylight. Okay, I was wrong about that. It was 11 o'clock at night. Still, it's a high traffic area. I know where that area is. I've been past it. It's a high traffic area. And the fact that they haven't caught this person, the fact that they haven't gone to the Exxon to get the tape, the fact that people in this community didn't know for two weeks after the fact, questions need to be asked and answered. And the thing that I have to ask, not necessarily of this community in which I live in, 
but of these communities in which I in which people live in that that praise that it's no crime and pristine, are they really just covering up crime? Because this has clearly been a cover up of a crime that if it wasn't for nosy ass neighbors, but important, importantly, being nosy, nosy ass neighbors that contacted and posted on Nextdoor app to warn everybody that put pressure on the police to actually investigate this thing or to give us information that actually happened, we would have never known about it. How often does this happen? How often are there attempted abductions or legitimate abductions that are just not reported in these pristine areas? This should give everybody in the community pause and we should be holding the police department accountable for why we haven't gotten an information. And in your police department, if you live in one of these pristine areas that says there is no crime, trust me, I read crime reports, partly because of content, partly because I'm really, really nosy and like to know where all the crime is so I can stay away from it. I don't like being near, near crime myself. I grew up in an area that had some crime. I told the story of on the 50th episode of how behind where I lived was an alley that led to a drugstore that sold that penny candy that my parents told me, never go down that road. Don't do it. Don't do it. I didn't listen. I did it anyway. and saw a dead body. Dead body was in broad daylight. Dead body in the alley, right? So I've lived in crime riddled areas. I'm not going back to that. I got a little bit of money now. I got a little bit of paper. I want to live away from that. I'll pay extra to live away from that. But if it's close to me, and they're not giving me the information, I have a legitimate problem with the police withholding information that has to do with my community. And you should be questioning and paying attention and keep your eyes and ears open with every community that you live in, because there is crime there. There are shootings. There are attempted assaults. There are assaults. There are things happening out there that pristine neighborhoods and communities and cities and things like that want to sweep under the rug and say, oh, it's not really that bad. While they're saying other cities are the absolute worst. And let me tell you, I've walked around New York City recently. Nothing happened to me. I had friends that have gone and visited Chicago. My brother just got back from Chicago. Nothing happened to him. So it's funny how they portray certain communities as dangerous and other communities is pristine. And you go to these dangerous communities, find out they're not that dangerous. Oh, don't get me wrong. There are dangerous parts to these communities, but they're not as dangerous as being portrayed in the media. And then conversely, some of these really pristine communities are, are saying, hey, we, you know, it's safe to come here. Don't worry. Nothing's pretty much going to ever happen to you here. And things happen and they cover it up. We got to question everything. Be a skeptic. When you, when you read something, be like, mm, is that the whole story? When you hear something, be like, mm, is that the whole story? When you see something, be like, mm, is that the whole story? What is that old expression? Believe half of what you believe, half of what you see and none of what you hear. Yeah, that's what we have to do to be diligent in, in, in life in general. Uh, but that's enough of me sitting on my soapbox talking about what my thoughts on what's going on in the news. Next up, the very first sex segment of the Love Doctor. Did I steal that from the Martin episode? Yeah, I did. I did steal that from the Martin episode. Is he going to sue me for royalties? I don't know. I'm probably going to have to change the name of the segment. But for right now, it's going to be the Love Doctor, and that's coming up next.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I said it before, <laughs> and now we're finally into it. It's the very first segment of The Love Doctor. Will I have to get rid of the name because I stole it from Martin? Maybe. But I got my friend Jen here, and she's got some situationships that she needs help dealing with, and I'm going to do my best to give her some advice on the situation. Do my best. Basically, let me just tell y'all something. The Love Doctor is always right. If you follow The Love Doctor's advice, you're going to be okay. But with, without further ado, let me introduce Jen. Jen, say what's up to the audience. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yes. it too. No problem. Now, everybody's going to be like, well, how come she don't want to show her face? Can you explain to the people why you don't want to show your face? Yes. So I run a dog walking business and I was running very late today and I look like a hot mess. <laughs> I didn't want to look like that on camera. Okay. Well, you know, we get more audio uh, subscribers than we do video subscribers, so it should be just fine. Okay. Now, you've had a particular situation that's been going on now for the last couple of months. Yes. Let's let's not start officially from the beginning. Not okay. from the beginning, beginning, because that goes back a few years with... Uh, what are the names that we want to give these 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 gentlemen um like their actual names no we don't want to give their actual names <laughs> but their nicknames um let's go boxing coach one okay boxing coach two okay and neighbor neighbor okay okay, okay. so if you could tell the audience a little bit about your history with Boxing Coach One. So Boxing Coach One, um, we started out boxing, just right. working out. It was completely right. business. And it kind of went, it, we, we crossed the line with it. And it mm -hmm. turned into a situationship. Yeah. And it and just how got long? really sticky. It got very, okay. like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, no puns and no puns intended. Um, <laughs> okay. How long has this situation ship with boxing coach one been going on? A couple of years. <laughs> okay. It's a couple of years. And, and you've told me the specifics about this relationship with boxing coach one. What yeah. is the specifics to the, to the, to the, the situation ship between you and boxing coach one? Um, so it was kind of, so we, we started out obviously as, you know, trainer and client mm -hmm. and then we crossed the line and it went more than that. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that he wasn't single. Mm. Now, when you say <laughs> not single, just how not single was he? He was in a monogamous, serious relationship. <laughs> mm. And, and, and it was just a relationship. He wasn't married. No, he wasn't married. It was just okay. a relationship. Yeah. D does this gentleman have kids? Yes. How many kids does he have? Two. Are they from the same person? No. Okay. No. Uh, it, is this person around your age? Um, the boxing coach? Yeah, boxing coach one. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit older, but yeah, around my age. A little age. bit older. Okay. 
And so y'all cross the line. And do you continuously cross the line or what? how frequent is this crossing of the line? So the crossing of the line was probably once every couple weeks in the beginning. <laughs> okay, in the beginning. I'm sorry, I don't mean to chuckle. It's just, just continue <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm a child. The love doctor is serious. The advice I'm going to give is serious. Okay. But the love doctor is also a giant child that likes to chuckle. But go ahead. <laughs> Okay. So it started out like once every two weeks. And then a couple months in, I found out, actually, no, it was more than a couple months in, I found out that he was in a relationship. Okay. What happened then? Sorry about that. What was that? What happened then? Um, at that point, I stopped the situationship. Okay. And I stopped boxing with him. Okay. So months went by and we would continue to text and, you know, just kind of check in with each other. Uh-huh. And then we randomly met up like six months later. It was right before Christmas, actually, of last year. Okay. And what happened when you randomly met up? Um... Well, the situation ship continued over. Yeah, it continued. <laughs> yeah. What what is what is it that draws you to him? Um he always keeps me in a state of confusion. Well, at the time mm. anyway. Like it's like I'm drawn to this game. I think I'm attracted to the game. Um he never he doesn't commit he doesn't stick to plans. And I think I, for some reason, I think my subconscious likes it because it's never boring. Hmm. Oh, it's never boring. It's on, it's always on your toes. Yeah. Uh, it's toxic. It's toxic. It's toxic. This person never commits anything. Do you want a commitment from this person? No. So that's the other part that gets tricky. Like, so if he changed the way he was, which he kind of did more recently, I lost interest. So I'm only interested when he pulls away. But when he does, when he comes back, mm-hmm. I get bored. Yeah, okay. And I search uh, for another situationship. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's situation number one. I would say that, uh, and I'm not a, a, you know, I'm the love doctor, but I'm not a clinical therapist. Yes. What you're describing to me is called anxious attachment. Ah, okay. You have a fear of abandonment. Yeah. And that leads you to hold on to things that you feel might abandon you. When you're comfortable and you know that you're not going to be abandoned, you're like, ah, okay, this is boring. Yeah. But it all stems from childhood. Not to say that your parents abandoned you or anything like that, but all this stuff stems from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of that need for it, it's some form or some fashion. There was a time that we needed our parents and they weren't quite there for us, whether it was emotionally, mentally, or physically. So we yearn for that and we yearn for that in our partners. Um, that is a very loose, non-scientific way of explaining uh, anxious attachment. Okay. But it seems like that you kind of had that. It's more, it's always more fun 
to being something that's unpredictable, but people often miss, the people often confuse excitement for anxiety. They're similar um, in in the way they feel in your body, but it's not excitement. It's anxiety. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that's boxing coach one. Yeah. Tell me about the neighbor. Okay. So the neighbor was like a whirlwind. Um, hookup, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we met on the elevator and we exchanged, no, he got my number. Or no, did he give me his number? No. He got, yeah, yeah. Oh, he gave Yeah, y'all got numbers. Y'all yeah. got each other's number. We got each other's number. Um, we immediately started texting within mm-hmm. like five minutes of me getting off the elevator. And okay. He was texting like crazy that whole weekend. So that was a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was completely turned off to the point. I think I even said to you. Yes, you did. I was going to get to that, but I'm going to let you finish telling the story. I said, this guy's kind of weird. I'm, he texts way too much. Like he seems desperate. And then like, I would say how long? Maybe a week later? No. Uh, you're, see, you're, you're forgetting the importance of the story. So okay. me and you, me and you were working out Yeah, and you were telling me about this gentleman that got your phone number and was texting you all weekend. And you was like, Bruce, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. I don't know that I'm really that interested. And then you were used to a good morning text yeah. every morning for the, for the next couple of days. And that particular day, he was a little bit late on a good morning text. <laughs> But you kept looking for the good morning text on your phone. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. When he was when he was all up in your business, uh, texting you all day long, you didn't have no interest in him. No. But now, all of a sudden, he hasn't texted you a little bit. Now that piqued your interest. And from then on, you were really, really interested in him. Yeah, because he started with um, not texting me back, leaving me on red. And then sometimes he would text me, like there were some days in there, he would want to chat like back and forth forever. And then I I wouldn't hear from him for for like four days. So it's kind of like that roller coaster rush. Like Mm -hmm. it's giving me like a dopamine rush, I guess is the way I would describe it. And so Mm -hmm. be on my toes, which keeps me interested. But once again, is that excitement or anxiety? Now that you brought up the anxious attachment style, I think it's more anxiety. Yeah. yeah I mean, because once again, the, the the feelings are similar. Yes. Right? Excitement and anxiety could still feel the same way in your body, right? But it's just like how your mind perceives these things. So I know when I'm anxious, just when I'm obsessing over something, because my body, my body one will tell me, hey, man, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and it, it's not excitement. It is. This doesn't feel right. So your body is telling you and your mind is telling you eh, it doesn't feel right. But you're misinterpreted as, no, oh, this is good excitement. And then there's a relief when you're waiting for a text, you're waiting for a text, you're waiting for a call back. There, there's anxiety waiting. Yeah. And then there's a relief when you finally get it. It's like, yeah. oh, OK, everything is OK. Yeah. He texted me back. He called me. Yeah. Um, then that relief. 
is there. And then the anxiety takes over again whenever there's a hint that something isn't right, whether it's in your mind or it's real. When there's something that isn't right in your mind, yeah. then you start to get anxious and you're waiting for that next deep breath, relax, relaxing moment when you hear from them. Yeah. Um, that's it's anxiety. A, it's a sense of relief. Like, like I calm down, like my cortisol levels go down. Like as soon as right. his name come up, I'm like, oh, okay, everything's okay. Yep. You got your fix. All right. So tell me, tell me about boxing coach number two. Okay. So, um, we met, I think like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept running into each other on the street. Mm -hmm. Like we were, we always just happened to be at the same place at the same time. It was coincidental, just kind of weird. And, um, he gave me his information and, you know, told me to let him know if I'm interested in boxing with him. And, um, so I, I didn't really do anything about it because I was already with someone else mm -hmm. uh, training with someone else. So, then more recently, um, we met up again in the elevator in one of my client's buildings. Mm -hmm. He was like, we ran into each other. And I was like, oh, I was like, you live here? And he's like, do you live here? And I was like, no. I said, I have a client in here. And he told me he lived here. And then he gave me his information again. And mm -hmm. um, at that point, you know, I'm not boxing with number one again. So I okay. thought, okay, maybe I'll start up again with this one because I kind of, I really miss boxing in general. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so I signed on and bought a package and, um, a situation ship started from session. <laughs> okay. How did this situation happen? Um, so we session. And after the session, he asked what I was doing later. And I said, actually, I don't have any plans later. And I said, why? And he said, do you want to watch the game? And I was like, mm -hmm. he's like, do you like football? I said, I mean, I don't really follow it too much, but yeah, I'd love to go watch the game. So later on that day, it went from our plans went from watching the game to him coming over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know how that happened, but it just kind of did. And then the situation ship started. Mm hmm. And um, OK, so the situation ship started like how, how did how did it continue? Did it continue? What did you find out anything about uh, his background and his his current situation or non current situation? Like what was going on with him? He told me that. He was in a complicated situation, but that he's like, he has someone, but they're not really together, but it's complicated. Okay. What did he call it? He called it an entanglement, but I didn't really, yeah. I thought that just meant, you know, it was complicated. I didn't really understand that that meant, you were the one that was like, Jen. <laughs> yeah. An entanglement is a complication. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is that. Uh, what was his entanglement? His entanglement is that he has a serious girlfriend who he just had a baby with. 
Okay. That's what he told you is that he has a serious girlfriend that he just had a baby with? Yes. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm leading the questions because I actually know the answers to the questions. Um, after doing some digging. Yes. Is it his girlfriend? Um, yes. Yes, I think so. Yes. I thought you told me that, no, they're married. Well, they're pretty much like married, but I don't think they're <laughs> like live together and have a baby and stuff. Okay. And how old is that baby? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I think like two months old. Okay. So the baby is two months old. Yeah. Uh, is that his only baby? No. Oh, okay. How many babies does he have? Total? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, total. <laughs> That's six total. He's got six kids total. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's got six kids total with the woman that he's with right now? No. No. There's different women involved. How many different women are involved? Three. I think. So, so he's got six kids by three different women? Yes. Okay. And you find out all of this after the situationship or before? The kids with the different women before. I didn't. Okay. Was with the last one, the last woman, until he admitted it to me. After. Okay. Okay. Now your situationship. How long did it last with this person? Um, like a month. Okay. And you decided, or he decided, or y'all decided to stop? Um, so you know the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer, but the people listening don't know the answer. So, um, he, he was with me one night at my place mm -hmm. and we were, you know, in the middle of situating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. I don't think I even know this. I don't think I know this. This is news to me. I think you do know this. Okay. Well, tell the audience and then let me see if it refreshes my memory. Oh, gosh. It's so weird to actually say this out loud. It sounds so... Mm -hmm. uh <laughs> yeah. This, this is the reason why I was like, yeah, you need to say this out loud and not just to me to hear everything that's going on. But go ahead. Go ahead. So all of a sudden he had this look of like devastation come over his face. I had never seen anything like it before. Like his eyes changed. He looked like he was going to cry. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. I said, okay. And he shook his head. No. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, he, he said, I, I can't do this. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, what's going on? I'm confused. Like, did I do something? And he said, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I said, so, so what's wrong? And, um, he said, that's when he told me that he's with, he has somebody that he's actually with somebody and that she would be devastated if she knew what he did. Okay. Anyway. And so, and so y'all cut it off. So we, and, uh, Yes. We you continued on to box with him. Yeah. Were there any other attempts to get together? Um, he called one night, but I didn't answer. Mm, okay. And then I, I just never called him back or texted. But I, I, I don't know what he was. I mean, he might have been calling to come over. I don't really know because he didn't call back. Um, okay. 
And since that whole thing happened, we've just boxed. That's it. It's we've been keeping it completely professional. He hasn't tried anything. He hasn't called me. He hasn't. I mean, we text and stuff, but about boxing, he's kept it all okay. boxing. He kept it all business. Yeah. Now, with all three of these men, yeah, are you done situation shipping with them, <laughs> or um, is there an opportunity for there to be some more situations? Uh, neighbor, there could be opportunity for more situations. We text all the time, but he doesn't. Okay. Neighbor anymore. He moved to Maryland. Right. Didn't you say that he disappears from time to time and you don't hear from him? Yes. Okay. So I would ask you, Mm -hmm. what is it that you want out of interactions with people that you would like to date? What is the ultimate outcome that you would like to have? Um, so, and I've had this conversation with you, Bruce, many times, um, after going through all of this, I don't think that I should be dating anyone. I think that I have a lot of healing to do from my Mm -hmm. divorce still. And I think because I'm emotionally unavailable, I'm putting out that energy and I'm getting emotional, emotionally unavailable people back. So it's, I think no matter who I date is what I'm trying to say. I think it's going to be this same scenario over and over and over again until I heal and figure out, figure out what it is really that I want. So for everybody out there uh, listening, she, she stole the love doctor's punchline because that's actually the advice that I told her. This, 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 this was not you coming to, <laughs> coming to the realization on your own. This was the stuff that I've been telling her. But I think it's so important because I, I tell people all the time, if you are messed up, not messed up as in like something is wrong with you, but if you're not emotionally ready to date. And a lot of times people don't know if they're emotionally ready to date or not. Sometimes it's the process of dating and they realize, oh, I don't really feel like dating, that you got to take a step back. And it's okay to, to take a step back and recalibrate. Also, looking at what reality is as opposed to what you want things to be. There were often times where you would be telling me these interactions with people. And even with the neighbor, you still gush about him, but we didn't address the fact that neighbor has two kids. Yes. By two different women. By two different women. One of them and that he just had a year ago. One with that he just had a year ago that he was living with. Yes. Now that's a, he's in, but the other thing about that that we left out we're talking about the neighbor is that he's in the process of getting a divorce. Well, he is now, but he just got divorced. Well, he just got divorced. He's not emotionally ready. He's not emotionally available. So you got two unemotionally available people trying to get things going. And there were so many times that you would be worrying about it. And I'm like, it's just a situation ship. Keep it just situational. You don't have to let the emotions get into it. If you enjoy this person's company, enjoy the company and let that be it. You don't have to be in a relationship. You don't have to carry it like it's a relationship. You can heal yourself and still have situations where you have, you know, 
sex partners. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that if two people come into it understanding exactly what it is. We're going to try to keep this emotion out of it as best we can. When one person gets more emotion than the other, we can't continue on down this path right. because this wasn't the initial agreement. Right. Um, and, and so often those type of sexual relationships don't last because somebody always ends up catching feelings. Yes. But also it goes back to that original thing that I was talking about. So often people can't realize what is anxiety and what is excitement. Yes, I agree with you. And I think mine is more anxiety. I think I'm getting a dopamine rush, but it's actually anxiety. Right. And a lot of people have that. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. I, I will even say in my personal life, the love doctor has been attracted to women that are so bad for him because it's more exciting when those women are so bad for him. But it's not healthy because I also have an anxious attachment style. Yeah. So what what I will say is it's really great that you finally listening to my advice. I hope you listen to my advice because I still don't trust boxing coach number two. I personally don't think that you should be getting involved with neighbor unless you can keep it strictly on that situationship because yes. you nor he is ready for anything serious. However, yes. the way you talk about him mm -hmm. makes me believe that you got more than just a little crush. So out of the three, he's the one that I caught feelings with. The other two I did not catch feelings with. It was more of a kind of chasing the game, but not... Mm -hmm. not to be with them but neighbor yeah we we have a strong a deeper connection where i could see actually like dating him which do you got do you guys actually have a deeper connection or do you want a deeper connection those are two completely different things you know i never thought about that and those are two you you Maybe can I want a deeper connection yeah but you could not have that deeper connection so often the things that we want, we'll see little glimpses of it and run with it. There it is. There's that sign. I knew that this is what it was. When all it was is a little glimpse of something that you made bigger than what it actually was. So the question is, how often do y'all talk about serious subjects? What do you really, really know about that person deep down inside besides joking and a little bit about what, what their surface level history is? That's true. I mean, we have a lot of our conversation, I would say the majority is like comical, like sending funny memes, sending funny gifts, him like being sarcastic and making fun of me, me making fun of him back. Like it's a lot of, it's like a playful type of communication. Um, we have had serious talks, but the majority of the texting, no, it's more like, you know, joking around kind of surface, like what you said. And, and let me ask you another question. How often have you guys hung out and situations weren't involved? Mm, once. So <laughs> aside from aside from situations and the fact that there's humor, which are two very important things. It's good to be connected um, physically and with personality types. That's cool. But when you say deep, like how deep is it when it's really sex and jokes? Majority, majority is sex and jokes, which in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But to say that you're making a connection with this person that's deep when the majority of your time is sex and jokes. Yeah. Is it really that deep? No, I guess you're right. It's not. Maybe I just want it to be. You want it to be deep. Because I love a sense of humor. I think I've told you that. 
I mm-hmm. love that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's cool. But so, once again, you want something deeper, yeah. but you've also acknowledged that you're not emotionally ready to handle anything deeper. I'm not. And I think if he did actually take me seriously, I would get freaked out. I don't mm. actually go there, to be honest with you. I think I, I think I actually like it the way it is, which, which is bad, though, because I shouldn't like this the way that it is, you know? I don't think there's necessarily anything bad with just sometimes people are in your life just for a season and a reason, right? Yeah. Like yeah. maybe this person, neighbor is in your life because, I don't know, you, there's a connection there and, and y'all want to kick it. As long as you're not filling a void because you're lonely. And a lot of people do that. They're lonely, don't realize they're lonely. Yeah. And they're they're filling a void with other people right. until until they get bored with them and then they kick them aside. That's what a lot of this dating atmosphere is like now. People are bored, right? Yeah. People are lonely. So people will go out there and they'll get on the dating sites and they'll go out and they'll go on a million dates and maybe one person they'll actually lock in for three, four months and then they'll get bored with that person just because the only reason why they were dating that poor person is because they were filling time because they were lonely. Yeah. And then they get bored and then they move on to the next person when they're not actually adjust, adjust taking into account what is actually going on with them. Why do you feel lonely? Right. Let's figure that out first. So not to say that you feel lonely because there's some people that, that like being alone and, and aren't lonely. Uh, you're one of the purpose people that I know that loves, loves their solace, loves their, their solid, their solitude. Yeah. Uh, also you could be lonely. I also, I think we forgot to mention one thing. Oh Lord, here we go. I don't mind bringing this up. I, I'm actually, I'm not a, I'm not, um, uh, what's the word? I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, okay. So I did start anxiety medicine, um, mm-hmm. the beginning of July. Mm-hmm. And I think that played a huge part too in some of my decision making. So the reduction, the, the anxiety medication, reducing your anxiety cause you to act differently than you would normally act? Yeah, because I started acting out on things that normally I wouldn't do. Normally mm-hmm. I would meet someone in the elevator and then invite him over. I didn't even know him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and then, you know, start hooking up with my new boxing coach from the first session. And like, just, I was just doing things that just were kind of out of character for me. Could that also be the fact that you're doing real work with your mental health and sometimes there are some uncomfortable conversations. So maybe you run to something that can be comfortable so that you don't have to think about those uncomfortable subjects that you're dealing with in therapy and that the anxiety medication is opening up your eyes because it's helping you get rid of your anxiety and it's real stuff that you have to deal with now. Yes. Yes. I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, they they say something and it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Right. But they say when people are recovering alcoholics or drug addicts and they're getting clean and for the first time they're seeing things through sober eyes and they're seeing their life 
pain they cause, not saying that this is the same thing for you as far as pain causing other people in life or anything. But anxiety is, is very similar to living in a fog where you don't see things clearly. And when you are making that work, when you're doing, when you're taking that work to try to work through your anxiety and you're taking medication that eliminates anxiety, some of that fog is removed from your sight and you can see the world as you've never seen it before. And it could, I'm sure that could be confusing because I know for alcoholics and drug addicts, when they come out of that, it's and come out of that fog and they see the world, it's eye-opening and shocking. Yeah. So you think maybe that has something to do with you acting out? I could see that, yes. Definitely. And I think that um like before I was on the anxiety medicine, um I was much more um self conscious mm-hmm. and insecure. And mm-hmm. I started the anxiety medicine, I felt like I was on top of the world. Mm. It gave me this like high that, and I think it just made me more comfortable to just talk to people and be more social and have situationships. <laughs> I don't know. So, so I don't know what I'm reading from that is that confidence um, was so powerful that it, <laughs> that it, it caused you to, not have those the governors that the anxiety would normally put on your confidence? Um, yes. Yes. Exactly. So from all of this, and my advice has been, ladies and gentlemen, this was my official advice for Jen in dealing with all these men. I said, stay away from box of coats, number one. He's toxic. And your energy is always down every time you have a situation ship with him. I said, stay away from number number two. He's not necessarily toxic, but he's emotionally unavailable. And in the long run, you're going to get hurt from this situation because it's two people who are emotionally unavailable, who are attracted to each other, almost like trauma bonding. And I said, I think you should stop working out with boxing coach number two, because there's going to be a situation where he's going to come back around and try and manipulate your... <laughs> sweet, your sweet um, will and your kindness and manipulate you by giving you a sob story just to get another situation ship. You think so? I don't the, know. The, the guy has six kids by three different women. Yeah. He knows how to talk to women. He <laughs> knows how to manipulate women. Because uh, you would think second baby mama would see the first baby mama and be like, no, this situation isn't for me. And you would definitely think third baby mama would see second and first baby mama and realize, oh, this isn't the situation for me. And you would think you would see (laughs) one, two, three baby mamas and be like, um, this guy's a little, there's something going on with this guy. (laughs) But his game and his mouthpiece is so smooth that he convinced y'all, nah, it was, he convinced baby mama number two. It was baby mama number one. She was crazy. He convinced baby mama number three. Number Baby mama number one and two is crazy. I'm sure he's probably told you that all of his baby mamas have issues. Um, Actually, no, he hasn't. Oh, okay. All right. I'm he, wrong on this one. He didn't really talk about one and two. And he told me that number three is an amazing person and that he loves her very much. But he, but he cheated on her. After she just gave birth two months ago. Yeah. Without with ev- without even a thought about it. I think there was a thought, but he still acted, you know? Yeah, there was a thought that he wanted to act upon the situation. <laughs> and that's the reason why I'm saying, hey, yeah. 
I don't really think it's a good idea anymore. Yeah. But you said that you had it under control and everything's being professional. I would love if there is a relapse, ladies and gentlemen, I am definitely going to tell you that Jen had a relapse with boxing coach number two. If I have a relapse, I'll come back on the show and we'll be it. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right. So my official advice okay. is you is for you to continue the work that you're doing on okay. your anxiety and mental health okay. and not deal with no man unless unless you can put in the proper boundaries of what that situation ship is. If you can't and you start catching feelings, you should not be catching feelings right now because you're not emotionally available because you're doing work to improve your mental health. Yes, I agree with you. I 100 percent agree with that. Now, the question is, will you listen to me? And I'm going to say you will not. <laughs> I will listen to you. I mean, we shall see. I will. I'm really trying to listen to you. I really am. And I know in my heart that what you're saying is right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know I'm emotionally unavailable. I do know that about myself. You are. And so you shouldn't you shouldn't be interacting with Sometimes people. But caught up with like looks if there's a hot guy. I just like get caught up with it and I forget that, you know, I got to look beyond that. You know? Yeah. You're just sexualizing the person. Yes. Yes. You're sexualizing the person. You're not actually getting to know the person. No. You're sexualizing them. Sometimes I see their look and I'm just, I just get like blinded. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it does. It makes sense. I, this happened to everybody. Yeah. But Jen, I've taken more time than I originally thought I was going to. This segment was a lot longer than I originally thought it was going to be. I'm going to have to cut out some of the beginning part of the show. Uh, but that's okay. Because okay. this was this was entertaining and good. Um, do you have anything that you want to say to the people out there about your situationships? Yes. I would like to say that um, I hope this helps anybody that, you know, the, anybody that are in similar situationships like mine and that have that same type of anxious attachment. And I'd like to say that apparently it seems like it's more common than it seems. <laughs> yes, it is, is a lot common. We all have emotional trauma yeah. that comes from our childhood. Yeah. Uh, we need to address it and deal with it. That's the only way that we can improve the relationships that we have in life, whether it's romantic or just friendships. Yeah. The relationships that we have in life can only be improved by addressing your mental health. But thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I hope people learn. Of course, I hope people learn from this. <laughs> and the most important thing that I can tell people out there is address the reality of the situation, not what you think it is, not your perception, but the reality of the situation. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I will, I don't want to get blinded by something that's not realistic. I have to look at what? the reality of the situation more rather than looking at what I want the situation to be. Right. And and I know I'm right because the love doctor is always right. That's the reason why they call me the love doctor. <laughs> I want to thank Jen for coming on and talking to us about her situationships. I, I, I have so many female friends in my life and this isn't particular to Jen, but this is particular to so many of my female friends who get in these situationships and, and guys as well. Right. Because I've done this in my personal life where you look at a situation and you can perceive it to be something 
that it isn't in reality. And too many times we make concessions of ourselves and our beliefs and our principles in a relationship trying to placate another person. Uh, if you are a woman that is opinionated, likes to have her opinions discussed and respected, dating a guy that wants his woman to shut up and not talk back, that's not going to work for you, right? If you're a fitness person and you like working out all the time, dating a person who doesn't like working out and isn't a, a gym person is not going to work out for you. You want to find people that fit your lifestyles, but can better your lifestyles. And the moment that we start to move away from the things that are the principles and backbones of who we are to accommodate other people, you've already failed. And I see this too often in relationships when people are getting to know each other. If y'all are in a, have y'all been talking for a month and y'all need to have a talk because some things are bothering you, you're having issues already a month into it. Yeah. That situation is not for you. You should not be having issues the first month in any situation. I'm not talking about the first month of y'all deciding to be boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm talking about the first month of y'all dating. If there are sexual issues, if there are intimate, intimate, intimacy issues, if there are emotional issues, if y'all don't believe in the same principles of life as far as politics and religion, and so often people aren't willing to have those very, very tough conversations in the beginning of a situation to determine if there's long-term compatibility. And if you realize there is no long-term compatibility, there's no reason to be in a situation unless you can control your emotions and just have fun in a situationship. And situationships aren't bad. Situationships are cool as long as people agree this is a situationship and try to maintain the fact that emotions won't get involved. It's a hard thing to do, but it is possible. And that's my you know, two cents as a love doctor. And uh, once again, if you actually listen to what I'm saying, I'm right. All my friends that come to me for advice and a lot of them come to me for advice. I'm always right. Now, I know my relationships ain't been shit because I make the same mistakes I tell other people not to make. I've gotten older, I recognize them a lot sooner, so I tend not to make those mistakes anymore. However, I've been a person that's made those mistakes, but I've learned and that's the reason why I can give this advice because I've been there, done that. I know what the outcome is. I can tell you how to navigate through that situation. But I want to thank Jen for coming on. I want to thank everybody for listening and watching. And until next time, as always, I'll holla. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast. But the real party is on our Patreon page. After Hours Uncensored and Talking Straight-ish. After Hours Uncensored is another show with my sister. And once again, 
The key word there is uncensored. Those are exclusively on our Patreon page. Jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us. That's where you can get all of our audio, video, our blogs, and even buy our merch. And if you really feel ingenuous and want to help us out, you can donate on our donations page. Donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciative. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.